Coach, going into the second week of district play, it's a rivalry game from a certain perspective. And I think these games in the middle of the year actually kind of help for focusing on what's important. You know, you, you win a big game against Aikens in your district opener. You're coming off a 2-0 and non-district season. You win the big game on the road against Cy Ranch. How's this week of practice compared to last week? Uh, it has been very consistent. Last week was really good, the three that we, we strung together. Um, I don't know that these three have been as good, but we're getting better. Our players are, are, are learning how to string those things together, um, and it means something to them. Uh, I can see leadership on our team uh, starting to win a practice might head south, you know, with either execution or attitude. Uh, they're the ones that are starting to step in. It's, it's being player-led rather than coach-led, and that's, that's a good thing. As you look at Austin High, the opportunity to get ready here, to eat pregame meal here, to keep the standard in back-to-back weeks, and then just get on a bus and go to House Park. That's a fun place to to watch a football game. It's also a fun place to play in a football game. What's the history lesson as you prepare for Austin High about the game day experience for some of these guys who have who've never stepped foot in that place in downtown? I share with them mine and my coaching staff's you know, thoughts about it. We all uh, love going to House Park. I like going to watch a game there. I like going to coach a game there. Back when I was playing at the University of Texas, when we played on grass, if we played someone, that's where we practiced, was at House Park. So I go all the way back to 1982, 83, 84, that window, the first time I ever stepped into House Park. And I think it gets better and better every year because the Austin skyline just keeps growing, and it's just a really unique place. It's Austin High's home place. I know they feel the same way about it, but you know, there's something about playing at a, a stadium with no track around it, where the, the fans are right on top of you. We're looking forward to going there. I think it's one of the really neat, cool venues in the state of Texas. There's an intimacy factor that that comes into play there because, like you mentioned, no track, and it's a smaller stadium, and that intimacy kind of reminds you of small-town high school football, and you growing up in that atmosphere, and a lot of people have that memory of where wherever they might have grown up, whether it's here or anywhere else, they have that idea of, hey, this is this means a little bit more. This This has a different feeling to it. Emotionally, I know you talk about how you get geared up for a game and the care factor before a game, but overcoming some of that emotion, getting ready for a rival, a rival that has been pretty successful this year with a 2-1 and record. We've got all the respect in the world for, for Austin High. Offensively, they're, if not the top uh, team in the greater Austin area, they're probably in the top two or three. You know, Mike Rosenthal is an outstanding coach, got an outstanding staff. Our players absolutely know what to expect. You know, Austin, I'm sure, knows what to expect from us as far as the effort that these two groups of kids will give to each other. We can't control what someone else does. We can't control how someone else prepares, but we can control the plan that we have. I told our players, I said, don't don't be naive to think that, that Austin High doesn't want to win this game as bad as you do. Uh, what we've got to make sure that we do is we have a plan in place. We stick straight to our uh, goal boards as the game starts. You start checking things off. Collectively, I encourage our team, and I'll mention to them on the sideline, I'll have assistant coaches mention to them on the sideline, uh, goal, goal, goal. And you just start checking enough of those off, and, and after a while you look up and you're, you're leading on the scoreboard, and you just give tremendous effort and you play really physical. And if, if we do all that, it will be all right. Top to bottom, the goal board seems to be just seeping into the vernacular of every single team member. You know, every time I talk to somebody uh, in our Shab of the Week interviews, any time that we are talking just in general, that goal board comes into the conversation. The goal board terminology, checking those boxes off, you hear a lot of the same things over and over and over again. I know that warms your heart because it's starting to, to take over how they play the football game. Well, Coach, it's also taken over the way that some of us watch it. When you think about it at a mathematical level or a percentage level, it's just like 
how many catches, how many yards, and how many yards per run. It starts to become a stat that you pay attention to. Explain, if you can, just how important that is for your ability to coach to the goal board and your staff's ability to coach to it as well. I'll give you a scenario. Uh, if we kick off to a team and we hold them inside the 15-yard line, Okay, so we just got a goal of holding your opponent inside the 25. Our defense comes out and forces a three and out. There's a goal that got hit. They're punting now inside the 15-yard line. Okay, so uh, the other team punts to us, and we get the ball on their 45-yard line. Well, there's another goal the defense just hit to provide the offense with the ball inside the 50-yard line. Now the offense goes out on the field and uh, scores on the first possession of the game. Okay, so I've just talked about nine to 10 to 11, maybe maximum 11 football plays we have hit on one, two, three, four, five of our goals in 11 plays. You know, one thing leads to another. This is a set of goals by myself and by other coaches that, that I've coached with in the past have been researched in depth before we came up with them. And we wanted to make sure that they all had things that were meaningful to winning football games and they weren't just, they're not just stats. You know, there are ways to win a football game. Are the kids surprised that there are no individual portions of that goal board, that it doesn't rely on any individual player, it's the collective? I don't think they do anymore. They know that, you know, that that's not what it's about. Sure sure can an individual player, you know, can can save the team on, a, on an individual goal, or the individual player can, can lose a, a goal for us. And so I'd like to think there, there ends up being a little bit of good peer pressure to them as they don't want to disappoint their teammates. Maybe sometimes I put more more emphasis on it than needs to be, but I, th- I think that it's a comforting feeling for our players to know that every Friday night, regardless of who we're playing, that they have a plan in place and, and you start just, just start checking off the plan. The sentiments are there for seniors like Austin McClendon and Connor Halverson. That's what they talked about is my goal is to not let my teammates down. And if I let my teammates down, then the goals aren't met. So that's that's there. And, and the collective for the remainder of the team, the attack team players, the guys that got a chance to play against Aikens to get out and show what they can do to add to that goal board. Do you think that the way you approach the last 25 guys on your roster and they're still playing to that goal board, do you think that has an effect on the rest of the roster from bottom to top? Absolutely. And we tell them, you know, that we love to have the opportunity to get uh, all of our players in games. It's not always going to be that way. We understand that. But when we do, I get jazzed up about it. My coaching staff does. The guys who play on the first and second team offense and defense do. And those kids work their tails off, and we love to have an opportunity for them to play. But we're not going to lower the bar. To me, that would be a disservice to those kids. Uh, That would be disrespecting players on our team to expect anything less of them. Everett Butler, number 44, number four, Boudreaux, uh, back for Austin High defensively. A lot of things go into your preparation, and you broke that down in quarterback club. What do you see from Austin High, and how do you prepare for a defense like this? Well, it's an odd stack. Uh, They're a one-high team for the most part. They get in and out of cover three and cover one or man free. Uh, Number 44 that you mentioned is a very active player. Uh, Number four is a tall, long, uh, looks like he's about 6'3", 6'4", defensive end. Uh, I've been really impressed with number 99 as an, another defensive end that's been very active for them. Number 11, one of their safeties has uh, has been a has been a very active player, seen making a lot of plays. Uh, number 12, one of their outside linebackers. It's not as unique of a defense as it once was. Here about six, seven years ago, the odd stack was just coming into vogue. You know, Austin High does a nice job of, of mixing in their coverages with it. Offensively, as a quarterback coach, I know that 
at one point you know that Charles is going to get his, and when Charles Wright gets his, he's a guy that understands the game very well. He understands the terminology. He knows exactly what Coach Rosenthal wants him to do on the offensive side. His production has shown for it. They throw the ball a lot, but he's where you want to be. A two-to-one ratio, ten touchdown passes, five interceptions over the course of 117 throws in three games. That's their guy. But what's interesting this year is, is Grayson Davis is very much a part of that offense, and they are trying to establish the run. So as good as Charles has been, Grayson Davis has been the the bell cow, like you always talk about, for the Austin High offense. All right, well, he's rushed for 501 yards in three games. Yeah, that's 167 yards or something like that a game. That's a lot. They are not running their quarterback near as much as they did last year. They ran a lot of Q counter with him. Doesn't mean they won't, but they're just not asking him to, to run. And uh, Davis has has kind of fit the bill for them there. Passing game-wise, you know, Charles is a really good player. He's getting getting better. He's he's a kid that you would expect. He's in his junior year now. He played a bunch as a freshman, started as a sophomore. Now he's in his junior year. He's a recruited guy. I know him, know the family, have a lot of respect for the kid. Uh, you know, we just got to make sure that we, we get to him, whether it's rush four, whether it's bring six, you know, we got to make sure we get to him and we we don't let him sit in and, and stay on rhythm. On the offensive line, I think that's a big part of the way that they've been successful. The Maroon offense has relied on guys that have played a lot of football. And, you know, you've kind of talked about, hey, look at the guys that made honorable mention. Look at the guys that were second team all district as juniors who are coming back for their senior year. Harrison Donovan, Jim Sanchez, those guys along the offensive line have been able to protect Charles, and your defensive line played so well last week. What are some of the things that you see with Coach Vasek and his idea for how to attack the offensive line for Austin High? Our defensive line, when we when we go through kicking game every day, we go through three periods of 15 minutes on Monday, 15 minutes on Tuesday, and 20 minutes on Wednesday. While that's going on, all of our defensive linemen are overworking uh, on all their pass rushers, all the different games that they play. Uh, our kids are really good at freeing each other up. It's not always where you just win a one-on-one pass rush against a tackle or you bull rush a guard. A lot of times there's different twists and things like that going on, and they work their tails off. Uh, there's a lot of timing that goes on there. There's a lot of technique that goes on there. There's a lot of, I'm going to give myself up to free you up. And so a lot of it's going to have to do with the execution there, you know, because we're not going to just come after him every down. You know, the biggest thing against a good quarterback like that, you can't just sit and do it one way. You've got to mix it up. I like the matchup. I like our two defensive ends on their tackles. You know, we'll see how the matchup goes. We'll come see. I told him at 730, we'll, we'll start to find out if y'all are ready to play or not. Final thought, Coach. A lot of guys got an opportunity to do some things for the first time in a varsity football game and, and really look at you know Lucas Maru with his interception, Michael Taff with his pick six. You have Braden Duncan, your most productive defensive player of the game. You couple that with a guy like Sage Luther and, and Mason Mangum and the usual folks that are there, but you're starting to see the guys that are coming into their own. Aiden Kennard taking home the most productive offensive lineman. What is the feeling now that those guys are getting some of that recognition in their first opportunities to play football for the Chaparrales? It's a great feeling because as a coach, you really don't have to worry anymore about is this guy going to not play well because he's so nervous that the game is going too fast for him. We've gotten past that. That's why the, the Cy Ranch game was so important, that all of our kids that played in that game, whether or not they were a returning starter or a guy that's just, you know, that was their second game to start. I mean, that was a big-time, big-time opponent. I mean, if anybody noticed, they beat 
the team they played the next week 66-7. to They're not a bunch of dead men. Our kids played well against them, and that was a confidence boost. And so all of our kids are nervous before the game. I tell them, if you're not nervous, then I'm not sure I want to send you out there because I'm not sure you care a whole lot because, you know, we all as competitors. I said, but that nervousness goes away. That's just competitiveness. And a lot of those young ones. You know, I think a perfect example is is Luke Nicholas. You know, Luke was a – he started 15 games last year, but he was a sophomore. And a lot of times the, the game was going really fast for him all year long. Now it's slowed down, and he has really becoming a really good football player. Lucas Maru, I mean, he's been a baller since the day he stepped out on the field. Michael Taff, as you mentioned earlier, boy, he's played really well right now. It, it allowed us to move Leo Lowe into safety, and now Leo Lowe into linebacker, you know, because Michael Taff has emerged. Coach, as always, thanks for the time. Good luck. Thank you.